I would like to start today's show by asking you a question. Have you ever run a class or program that just isn't getting the numbers and you keep flogging it and flogging it and trying to make it work and you keep running it at a loss? Have you ever done that? You know, you've got a jazz class with two people in it and you're like, I know it's going to be amazing. (laughs) And yeah, you're just not gaining the traction. Have you ever done that? Have you ever, I've got another question, have you ever ran an event? Could be a workshop event, a live show event, whatever. Have you ever ran an event where you simply just didn't sell enough tickets? You just didn't engage the people you wanted to engage and you ran it anyway. Today, I'm going to tap into that because I bet your bottom dollar that, you know, you've said yes. Um, A lot of studio owners, a lot of creators have done this. And to be honest, it's something that we need to really assess. So today I'm going to be talking about something that I did recently, and that is releasing low profit activities from my performing arts business. So if you're a studio owner, if you're a creative, if you are running anything at the moment, classes, programs, events, what have you, if you are running anything at the moment and you're really unsure if it's going to work, if it is working, you know it's not working, but you you want to let it go and you just feel like you can't yet and you're holding on for dear life, then this episode is for you. Even if that's not you, this is a great precautionary tale. (laughs) (laughs) So tune in everyone and I'll see you after the intro. Hey there, I'm Josephine Lankuba and you're listening to Business Arts and All That Jazz. I've been immersed in the creative business world and performing arts industry for over 20 years. I know from experience that being an artist, a creative or running a creative business can be a tough gig, but I'm here to tell you it's possible. I went from having zero dollars to my name and living below the poverty line, to then living paycheck to paycheck, to finally living a life of comfort, happiness, passion, and even stability. In this podcast, I peel back the curtain and share with you the ups and downs of my journey. Plus, I tap into the minds of creative industry experts to discover their paths to success. I know you have a spark inside of you, that little voice that tells you to reach for the stars. I want to help you step into your limelight to have the courage to live a life you dream of, a life that you design. So get ready to be entertained and inspired as we talk business, arts, and all that jazz. Hello, it's Josephine here, your performing arts business strategist, speaker, and coach. I hope you're having a wonderful day. Yeah, good morning to those of you that are in the morning. Good afternoon if you're in the afternoon. If you're listening to this in the evening, good evening. Okay, so excited to have you all here. So excited. Now, today I'm going to be talking about releasing low profit activities within your studio biz, within your performing arts business. Let's do this because recently I actually had an experience. where I realized that I was doing too much. And I maybe briefly mentioned this in my um, Uluru experience um, episode where I was doing too much and I had to let things go. I'm going to deep dive a little bit more into that today. So essentially I run multiple sites. 
Now, it doesn't matter if you run multiple sites in your studio biz or if you run multiple classes or whatever you do, but it's the same sort of thing. So we have multiple programs, but I just run them from different sites. I don't have a bricks and mortar in the sense that I don't have a commercial lease. None of that. I simply run them, um, you know, I might have a few classes running in a, in a, you know, a lease agreement, a sublease agreement arrangement could be a council venue, could be, you know, a school hall, could be anything, right? We just have different programs running in different places across eight different club sites. That's what we call them. You may call them studios. Some people call them satellite studios, whatever. Anyway, um, some of these sites were not performing well. We had people in them. There was, you know, they they were moving, but they weren't doing that well. And for the work involved in running these classes and programs, it came to the realization that it just wasn't going to work for me anymore. Now, I actually made this realization when it came to show week. So, you know, we just finished, um, or for you, it could be your concert or whatever. And we just didn't sell the tickets to these particular club site shows. Just didn't sell them. I mean, the other sites were pumping. We had sold out performances. And then for this particular ones, the ones where we had, you know, low profitability, less numbers, all that jazz, there were less tickets sold, which ultimately led to instead of show week being a profitable experience with multiple shows across show week, it actually led to a break even um, and some loss as well in a couple of our shows. Now that wouldn't have happened if we didn't run those shows, but we had to run those concerts. We had to run those productions because that was the promise. That was the outcome that we gave our clients, our students. And I don't regret that for a minute. I'm glad we delivered on the promise. But what I did do after it is I sat down and actually made an assessment. And I said, right, let's look at these four less busy club sites. And for you, it could be classes. So maybe you're trying to get a jazz program off the ground. There's been two people booked in it for the last six months. And for some reason, you're clinging on for dear life. It makes you no money. It's extra administration. It's extra staffing. It's extra scheduling. But you still run it. Because one day that class is going to be bustling. That's the dream, right? But it's not bustling. Yeah. So how long is too long until you let something go? Now, people have different um, perceived ideas around this. Um, I, I ran these programs that I told you about. I ran these programs for goodness. Let me have a think. One of them I only ran for two terms just to trial it out. Didn't work out. Actually, two of them I ran for two terms and then I ended up actually letting them go. Um, So that would be six months. So depending where you are in the world, six months. I gave them a six-month crack before letting them go. There have been things that I have done that I have ran for like a year or two before letting them go. I definitely knew that that was too long. So, you know, I think the key here is, If there is something in your business at the moment, if there is a class, a workshop or a program that is low in numbers, um, you need to do the math and you need to say, right, how much is the teacher costing me? How much is the venue costing me? How much is the tax and the GST and all the things that, you know, 
the lights that you switch on, whatever it is, the materials that you use, whatever the costs are involved, you need to really sit down and work that out and you need to go, okay, how many people is my break-even point? This is a really important exercise. You need to know your break-even point. Do you know the break-even point of all of your classes? How many people do you need to have in a room to break even? Now, there's got to be boundaries around this. So if you say, for example, for me, I think our break-even point is um, for a few of our programs is four people. So, well, it's actually like 4.2 or something, but let's say four people. Four people is our break-even point. Five equates to the class operation. That means that at five people, we will operate the class. But that is just scraping by. And that's actually what I was doing. So I'm not saying don't run something if you're at break-even point to get off the ground. Even if it's at a small loss, you might decide to run it for a couple of weeks until you get to that break-even point to get to that profitability point, right? But how long are you going to do that for? Set yourself some ground rules. How much are you willing to lose? So accumulatively, how much are you willing to lose before you release that low profit activity within your business? So let's say sometimes we don't think about it as like an accumulative amount. So sometimes we think about the weekly amount we lose. Oh, I'm only losing $12 a week. Okay, so you're losing $12 a week would you, you're happy to lose $12 a week. Would you be happy to lose $200? Would you be happy to lose $1,000? Would that sit comfortably within your world? Would you be like, I'm willing to invest $1,000 of loss to build this class up? If the answer is no, how many weeks have you been losing money? If you're losing $100 a week, $100 a month, Okay, let's say $100 a month you're losing running this program. 10 months, you've just lost yourself $1,000. We don't think about how it accumulates over time, the amount that we lose in these smaller increments. Now, what needs to also be considered is where else are these people spending So are they buying your merchandise? See, this is what I found with the four club sites that I let go, which is essentially like four programs. Let's just say it in in easier terms. So four classes, four programs are gone. We actually did an analysis on them. Were they buying merchandise? Not much. Were they um, buying tickets to the show? Not as many. Were they buying any extras like, you know, optional buy-ins like t-shirts and things like that. No, not one single purchase. So we knew that this was not our ideal customer. It always felt like, does it ever feel like sometimes with these classes as well, that you're starting from ground zero? So every term or every year, right, you've been struggling to put this hip hop, this boys hip hop class on, right? Boys hip hop dance, want to do it. Or this, you know, we're starting a singing group. You trial it, you trial it, you keep going, you keep persisting. There's a couple of boys in there and then the end of the year comes and it's new enrollment season time or whenever your new enrollment season is and then it feels like they all go away, you don't retain them and then you're starting from scratch again. 
It's painful. It's so painful to go through. I'm asking you not to do that to yourself, okay? So again, going back to the strategy behind this. So you've put your costs in place. You've considered all of the elements. You know your break-even point, right? And then you need to set a boundary of time. Money and time, how much are you willing to lose and to make this work? And how long are you willing to invest in that? So if you say, oh, look, any more than $500 and I, any more than 1000 any more than 10000 like whatever it is for you, right? There's no right or wrong. Whatever you're willing to lose to make this work. Once you hit it, if you're not seeing an influx of traction, an influx of inquiry or an influx of enrollment or interest, then you've got to let it go. And letting go is so hard when you've put your heart and soul into something, you know, releasing something that you're really invested in, not just, you know, money-wise, but emotionally. You've really tried. You've spent hours of marketing and, you know, you've been there teaching the class yourself or you're standing at the, you know, the school holiday camp doors with only five kids booked in for five days, you know. I've heard of that before, people going, oh, I only got like 10 people for my school holiday camp. It's a lot of work, you know, and they're there for like five consecutive days with 10 kids making no money and it's crazy. The other thing about this is it's okay to, it's okay to change your mind mid-project. Okay, now some people go, ooh, ah, bad for your reputation. Okay, let's think about that. It depends on how you handle it. So um, I have cancelled stuff. <laughs> um, let's say I've got a workshop booked in, we didn't get the numbers, and I just let the people know that booked. I'm so sorry. Unfortunately, we didn't receive the traction we required to run this event successfully. Um, please accept a full refund, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's it. It's done, you know, or redirect them somewhere else. Um, however, we do have this event. We've got, you know, it's bustling. We, we encourage you to join us over here for this thing that's working and releasing the thing that's not. You know what? Letting three people down versus letting your family down, letting yourself down financially is, you know, you've got to make the decision. You've got to make the call. And no doubt it can be a hard decision to make because we don't want to let people down. We don't want to feel like a failure. That's the other side of it. Sometimes when we release something, there's failure attached to that, a sense of failure. I understand this very well. Um, So, you know, there's something to be said for running something for the sake of it or running something for reputation. Obviously, if you have... um, built a reputation around a particular offering. So for example, for me, it's musical theater. So we do show titles. So for example, let's, I'm making it up. Let's say the show is Aladdin and these kids have gone through five months of training to perform Aladdin. You have to deliver Aladdin, you know, you have to deliver Aladdin. Um, but could, but if it wasn't working a month in or two, could you release a site? You absolutely can. I've actually done that. I've done that. One of our sites um, where we had our program running, uh, we just 
we just didn't have the numbers. So halfway through, so it was a two-term program resulting in a final show. Um, So after the first term, we actually cut the program. We didn't refund them or anything because they still got the training, Um, but we didn't linger it on anymore and we didn't allow them to get into that intense um, second-term development stage where they um, would eventually end up on stage doing the production. The, the thing was we were able to save a couple of the students because they were able to move to other sites or other programs or classes. And that's the other thing. You can cross-sell what you already have. So if you have um, a jazz program that doesn't work out, you might say, hey, you know, why don't we see if you want to do ballet or if you want to do hip-hop or if you want to do drama? Have you ever thought of drama? Have you ever thought of whatever? Like, it's okay to offer them something and naturally you're going to feel a little bit bad about it. But at the end of the day, whose money is it? Whose reputation is it? If it is executed poorly with one kid showing up every week, oh, the feeling of having one kid show up to a group class, it doesn't feel great. It doesn't feel great. It also doesn't feel great for the teacher. And don't get me wrong. We've had that happen before. And the way we do it is we go, oh, wow, you know, this is such a great opportunity. So we always spin it to positive because there is always a positive side to everything, right? We always say, oh, wow, that's so great. So you're actually going to get a private lesson with your coach today. And this is really high value because normally a, a private lesson is, you know, whatever, X amount of dollars per hour. And you're actually getting that today. And I mean, you know, you've got to make sure your teachers are prepared for that outcome. But it can kind of suck, especially on a preschool class. That's when it's like, uh, yeah, not great. Um, so, you know, again, if you're feeling like it's a push every single week just to get someone in the door, your teachers are going to feel it too. And it's actually, it can becomes, it can be awkward. Yeah. Has anyone ever felt like awkward when the numbers are low? It's not that you're a failure or anything like that. It's none of that. It's just It feels awkward for the kids sometimes. It's hard to let that go, I know. But again, we always try and spin it into a positive. Um, We reduce the time slot. So if only one kid shows up, we will say, okay, um, so we're going to do a 30-minute private today with blah, blah, blah. So because that's a higher value offer, they'll get 30 minutes and that's the end of that. Um, But that can only go on for so long. You can get away with that one week, maybe two. But then after that, they're like, we actually wanted a group class. Um, So if it's not working, can it? Just can it. Even if it means, you know, for some um, council venues or things when when you don't have your own commercial lease, you might be subleasing or whatever, might mean that you give one month's notice and you lose a month. But how much are you losing if you don't cancel it? That's the other bit. So if the class is costing you money every single week, how long are you going to let that happen for? Again, this comes back to your break-even point, knowing what that is, how much, you know, you need to earn to, so break-even essentially, how much you need to earn to cover the costs of the exercise, of the activity. That's your break-even. If you make as much as, you know, as it is in expenses to run it, then that's a break-even point. I mean, during COVID, we had a lot of experience with when is it time to let go? Yeah. 
Um, people were combining classes. They were doing all sorts of things, you know, trying to make it work. Um, for us, we did um, a lot of virtual replacements for particular programs that were elongated because of COVID. And, you know, we didn't, it didn't warrant in-person classes, even when we could for some of it, and we had to go online. You know, there was a lot that went on. And again, that letting go of how things normally happen for you can be really tough. And that's another part I want to talk about. Sometimes it's that expectation on ourselves. It's not even everyone else. It's the expectation of what we put on ourselves. So that can be really challenging too. That can be really hard. Um, Yeah, so I guess that's it today, releasing those low profitable um, activities within your studio business, within your performing arts business. Like I said, I've done it recently. Um, And the result has been phenomenal. I can't recommend it more. I'm feeling more at ease. I'm feeling less stressed. I feel like a weight has been lifted off my shoulder, Um, not just because of the financial benefit, which, you know, I'm going to feel over time because it's only just happened recently. So I know that it's going to, you know, make things easier over time. But it's also just the stress relief of trying to make something work that isn't, you know, like I said, always feeling like every single, you know, the beginning of each term or season or year, it's like you're at ground zero with this class again. And oh, it's like building something from scratch every single time. It just doesn't seem to grow. You know, it could be the marketing message. It could just not be the right fit for your business. It could be that that's not what your clients want or need. It's what you desire, but it's not what they want. So, you know, and I get that that can be really challenging, but especially when you when you really want something so badly. But, yeah, if it's not working, just let it go. It's not worth it in the long run. It really isn't. You know, you can hustle till the cows come home. Is that a saying? <laughs> hustle till the cows come home. But, honestly, it's not going to do you any favours long term. And at the end of the day, you know, we just want you to have an amazing, thriving, profitable business. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed listening and would like to hear more, be sure to click subscribe. If you're really feeling the love, share us with your friends. To work with me or to simply find out more about the magic of creativity, arts and business, head to my website, josephinelancuba.com and you can find me on socials. I also have a book that I've co-written with a bunch of amazing entrepreneurial women called The Women Changing the World. And you can grab a copy of that at josephinelancuba.com forward slash books. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.